Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to the bean for Wednesday. No, Thursday. Get that right. Terrible start. I am Glenn ZB, um, and we are first with yesterday's news, so we're looking back at Wednesday. This is where I got confused. Uh, now, uh, uh, Andrew Dickens wants to reflect on the Fonterra situation and their relationship with farmers. Uh, we've got a letter from prison to discuss, don't we? Uh, mountain safety with a man who knows all about it. And uh, what the hell is a negative mortgage? Let's get into this. Before any of that, uh, oh, that census screw up. Amazing. The problem appears to be, among many, uh, one of the problems appears to be that too much faith was put into the online system for collecting data. Uh, yesterday, after the news about Liz McPherson resigning, I received a text from someone who sat down to do the census. He or she was a shift worker and was heading off to work later that evening. Second question into the census, are you going to be home tonight? That person answered no, and that was that. Thank you for completing the census, and they were shut out. Richard Arnold says there were other problems with online collection too. The technology isn't as familiar to everybody as we might think, and people, people had problems understanding how the system worked. There's also a problem that if one person accidentally marked the household as complete, no one else in the household who hadn't yet responded could get in and they had to get another code. Mm. And every time you put a barrier up like that, it makes it more difficult. Right. So it's a mess. What do we do? Where do we go from here? At least Liz McPherson did the decent thing and fell on her sword. She took responsibility for the debacle and quite right too. It seems a little unusual in this day and age. For the person in charge to put up their hand and say, yes, my fault, I take responsibility. I hope Gabriel McClough had the good grace to blush as he sits in his pampered office in Ireland when he read of McPherson doing the right and proper thing. But, you know, somehow I doubt it. I sort of got the impression with McClough that he's one of those people who sort of looks like he's blushing all the time. So it would be a bit hard to know. Um, Fonterra have got plenty to be embarrassed about as well, of course. Uh, Andrew Dickens taking them to task. Now, I'm not an automatic critic of executive pay and behaviour. For instance, when Adrian Orr was at the Super Fund, there was a ruckus about his pay, but I thought he was worth every cent. But obviously, the guys at Fonterra are not. $38 million paid to Teo Spearing over the past eight, day, uh, eight years to produce turkey results. Why? And he's getting a bonus. Do you know why he's getting a bonus? It's a thing called Velocity. And part of that is operational health and employee engagement, none of which is about financial performance, none of which is an objective measure, but he's getting a bonus for it. It's a bit tree-huggy in new age, and it's widespread amongst the corporate class. Fonterra is an example of corporate class gone mad. It is corporate culture on steroids. Fancy buildings, fancy pay, fancy PR, consultants, and a whole heap of virtue signaling as well. We're engaged. When they started the free milk for schools, they seemed oblivious to the feelings of the co-op owners, the farmers, who were getting less than optimum returns. And the farmers thought, great, now they're giving away the milk that we made in the snow, the rain, the wind, the hail and the mud. Thanks, guys. CEOs and executive managements at the end of the day have to remember they're just employees and the people who employ them are the directors and the directors are also employees for the stakeholders. That's the way the power flows, not the other way. Always be wary of CEOs who think they're at the top of the pyramid. Yeah, I think part of the issue there is that whole C part of that, the chief. 
I mean, it might give them the idea that they're in charge. I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't want to be in charge of anything. Imagine what would happen then. Uh, now we've got uh, a letter from prison from the accused mosque massacre, massacre, apparently. Marcus, sorry you are doing more of a disservice for the victims by blaming the government when they have put us first. The error should be solely on corrections. You're encouraging the right-wing callers to blame the PM. Yes, but the staff at corrections, the head of corrections, is appointed by the government, and they have failed to do their job. So ultimately, it's a communication between the Department of Corrections and the government. They need to work out where the blame lies, and there needs to be some action. And this is not surprising stuff I am saying. The government themselves will be very aware of this, that this looks bad for them. Otherwise, you just blame everything on your department. That's what the whole point of government is. The whole point of government is to oversee and manage uh, the government departments, whether it be education or prisons or the hospitals. If someone dies in hospital through negligence, it's the minister that's responsible. Unless there has been oversight or they've been misinformed by the head of by the head of the department. That's what happened in the statistics. As we heard James Shaw say that you know that the uh, that they weren't given the information that the um that there was nothing that they knew about that they could re- correct and the head of statistics themselves took the sword. Marcus, no, the Prime Minister made huge signals around this prisoner in the media. Maybe the follow-up directives and instructions weren't attended to, but rhetoric was the PM is a worthy target. Of course, she was the person, as someone has correctly pointed out, that was so persistent and motivated to stop extremists spreading their message through online forums. And the accused gunman has been able to do that from a secure unit in isolation while being held in remand at Auckland Prison. No matter how you say that, that is appalling. Yes, very hard to disagree. Uh, not sure how they got onto the subject of mountain safety with, with Seinfeld yesterday, but nobody probably knows more about it than uh, Mr Ingalls, who, of course, uh, lost his legs up there. Do you think that maybe too many people who don't really understand the dangers are hitting the backcountry? Totally. And it's even just not even ski touring gear um, availability. You know, it's always been fairly easily accessed, but... It's um, it really, it's grown out of snowboarding and the fact that people are now prepared to put their skis and their boards on their back and, and trek, trek out of um, patrolled areas. And so the minute that you do that, you need to be taking the responsibility to learn about avalanche awareness. Now, I know um, the Alpine Club, Mountain Safety, uh, Avalanche Awareness, you know, there's courses that are run every year, but not nearly enough people go and learn about avalanche awareness and... You know, it's, it's one of the greatest killers in the mountains uh, worldwide. This text from Dot, she says, I'm loving the chat with Mark. He's an amazing man. Ask him, please, if he thinks Everest is being ruined. No, it's, yeah, that's a really tough one. It's, um, the problem with the Everest is that it's, it's not um, the commercialism of it that was always going to happen. It's the lack of professionalism that's there and the lack of... Uh, control, but the hardest people to control on the planet are, are mountaineers. You know, they're all anarchists at heart, anyway. <laughs> yeah. and so, um, you, you, it's, it's a really, um, uh, it's, a, it's a real mix of things that have come to a head. What you saw this last year um, was only just um, um, a matter of a few hours on two days. It's, it's, it's 
that the, the impression that people get is it's like that all the time. The big problem that they have in Nepal is the same as the problems that we have at a place like Mount Cook, and that's the huge numbers of trekkers. Not to be confused with trekkies, of course, because the last thing you want is a bunch of Star Trek fans um, up the mountain with you. Uh, stop being so silly, Glenn ZB, and explain to us all about negative mortgages. I don't think I will. I think I'll try and let Mike Perrot do it. How exactly would the bank make money on this? Um, I'm trying to work that one out. It's probably they'll have some transaction fee or monthly fee, um, uh, unless they're charging their depositors um, a lot more and lending to... Yeah, there's got to be a margin somewhere, and uh, that has yet to be worked out. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a mind-bender, isn't it? Is is there a mm. chance uh, that this is really just a marketing gimmick? I would think so, because it's been reported on this side of the world. It's probably gone global. I'm sure it has, the news, and good promo for the bank, and yes, I'll probably get business off it. Have yeah. you, Mike, have you ever heard of this happening anywhere else? No, never no, and I, uh, the next question is, would it happen in New Zealand, probably? That is exactly what the I, next question is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hard to imagine it happening. Um, as someone else said, um, you know, our culture and psyche is such that to borrow money and get paid to do so <laughs> just doesn't compute. And I can't see how that would work, but never say never. Uh, if borrowing earns you money, though, this is the question, right? If borrowing earns the bank money and savings yeah. cost you money. Won't the banks be in trouble as everyone empties their savings accounts to get loans? Um, look, I don't think it would happen on this side of the world. So there you go. Uh, mortgage expert, Mike Perro. Sounds like he doesn't really understand it any more than I do, to be honest. I'm sorry to end on that negative note. See what I did there? Licence to tell dad jokes. Um, maybe tomorrow's News Talk ZB will make more sense. That has been News Talk ZB. I will see you then.